Welcome to the Fit and Fierce podcast, a show to inspire and empower you and remind you that we're all a little messed up and that's okay. I'm your host, Megan. And in my personal journey, I realized that the fiercest thing I ever did was to ask for help. I no longer wanted my story to rule me. I was going to own it and share it. And throughout each one of these episodes, I want you to remember that being flawed doesn't make you less. It makes you more. Hey there, lovely lady. Welcome back. Today, I am sitting down and talking to my guest, Janelle Perriard. And Janelle is a woman's food and body coach, really specializing in emotional and binge eating. Her program, Forever Free, walks women through ending the war on food and body. And she really speaks so profoundly about it really is. It truly, truly, in that depths of that struggle, feels like a war with yourself. We talk all about releasing and choosing love over fear. We talk about facing and chasing your fears is truly the only way to grow and expand dealing with the root of what emotional eating is and some great, great tangible ways to begin to move away from that. If this is an area that you in any way struggle in, and I know so many of you have or know somebody that did, listen to the words that Janelle speaks. It is so, so moving, so strong, and there's such great wisdom that you're going to take out of this. Welcome back, everybody. I'm very excited to sit down and chat with my guest today, Janelle. Um, A topic that is very near and dear to my heart and talking about food and body issues and emotional and binge eating is something we've talked a lot about on this podcast. And I know that it's an issue that many of you struggle with or have had in the past. And Janelle brings a really, really great set of wisdom and insight on this. So thank you so much, Janelle, for doing this and for sharing your message with us today. Thanks for having me. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? All right. My name is Janelle and I'm a food and body coach. I specialize in women who struggle with uh, emotional and binge eating specifically. Um, Though I do have a a fitness background, it kind of naturally progressed to the emotional and binge eating kind of side of things. I I was brought to this kind of world, I guess, through my own food and body struggles. I think it's really important to have that connection with clients and to have the experience as well as the knowledge and the tools and the education as well. So I struggled with anorexia to begin with. Um, and then trying to keep this relatively short, that led to the other end of the spectrum, which was binge eating. And I gained nearly 70 pounds in a short period of time. So I was really, really uncomfortable in my body. And then I reverted back to restriction and never to anorexia, but definitely restriction. Yo-yo dieting the same 30 pounds for several years. And then finally, I developed a better relationship with food and body. Not wonderful, but better. And I found uh, macros, which I really wanted to build muscle at that point. So macros was kind of this like really pivotal part of my life because it was the first time I actually felt like I had control of food for a long time. And so macros went really, really well for me. And it was, 
effortless for me to stick to them. Um, I'm an extremist at nature, so macros was a good fit in that sense. And then I started coaching macros with my clients, and I realized very quickly that most women that I worked with actually struggled with the emotional binge eating side of things, and macros was not the cure for that at all. It was just, you know, they had the black and white blueprint in front of them, but they couldn't stick to it because of the emotional connection and the binge eating and all that to food. So I took it upon myself to dive deeper instead of telling my clients to have more discipline or to just try harder. I took my responsibility on myself and dove deeper into the emotional side and the psychology of food and educated um, through several courses and coaches. And finally, I also stopped tracking macros as well because I realized it had just, it had become like another eating disorder, essentially, the obsession and the control. So I let that go as well. And now I help women on a much deeper level. I help them through the emotional side of things, the belief systems, the intention behind why they're doing what they're doing, choosing love over fear, and, and all that good deep stuff instead of the superficial proteins, carbs, and fats kind of thing that everybody thinks that they need. So that is kind of a bit of my story. I identify so, so strongly with all of the steps of that. And I know that so many of my listeners do as well. Maybe not all of that, but definitely pieces of that. And I love that we are diving right away into how those relationships can change, but yet how there's still disordered patterns, even though that control with those macros was a helpful piece, which in my journey, it was as well. But very quickly, then it almost takes on its almost set of, like you said, that that almost becomes an eating disorder in itself. And I think that that's something that we don't talk about when we talk about clinical eating disorders, anorexia and bulimia and binge eating. But yet there's this whole other side of disordered patterns of that control that food and that emotional tie that food has over us. Absolutely. I, I didn't realize it at the time. As my coach says, you can't read the label when you're in the jar. And mm. so when I was tracking <laughs> macros, I didn't realize it was kind of unhealthy until I watched all my clients go through it and struggle with it. And, you know, the isolation from, from social functions and just the obsession with hitting your numbers perfectly. And I mean, for me, it was, it was just what I did. So it didn't seem like it was an eating disorder, but taking a step back from it and seeing it from a different perspective, I realized it was on the verge of it and I couldn't go down that road anymore. So now I practice intuitive eating, listening to my body, which is completely so strange for me after so many years of, you know, forcing and controlling to just listen to my body, but it's, it's effortless now. Where does that begin to come from? Because it's very, very terrifying to say, I'm going to give up tracking or I'm going to give up counting my macros because that is what you so strongly knew how to do. Where do you actually begin to say, I'm going to listen and trust my body? Definitely. (laughs) I guess it was just kind of a choice that was chosen for me. I just couldn't do it anymore. It was out of integrity with what I wanted my clients to feel so I can no longer do it as well. So it did take time to, like you said, trust was a huge part of it. 
and surrender. I love that word because that just kind of, that was like a defining moment of leaving macros and surrendering to what is and to what my body intelligently, intuitively knows best. What a beautiful way to look at the word surrender when typically we don't feel that as a strong or empowering word, but in reality, it is. It really is. It really is. It was one of the most, I would say, pivotal points um, in this whole journey. There's been, it's, I just give you a snapshot of it. There's been a whole lot of uh, murky waters, we'll say, but surrender was a huge part of it to just trust that my body knows best and my fitness pal is just a mask for for what I know deep down inside of me on my own. I mean, we're born innately knowing how to eat without tracking. So it's basically just going to back to that innate ability. Kids, I always say kids have everything figured out. Oh, they and do. <laughs> if we grow, yeah, you you are born as an intuitive eater and we just lose sight of that. Like if we think that they, they know how to do it. Why do we think that diet culture is a better way of telling us how to eat than what we just were born, like you said, innately being able to do? Yeah. I always tell my clients, we're basically just going back to children when, yes. we, when we knew how to eat when we're hungry and stop when we're full. We knew how to breathe deeply without having to consciously make that decision. And we knew how to feel our feelings without, you know, masking them to form to society or someone else's kind of conformities. I was just speaking to one of my clients on the same thing, hitting those exact same (laughs) points. And they know how to laugh and have fun and have a tantrum and have their emotion, get it out. And then two seconds later, just they're good. They're fine. Yeah. Because they released it and they're done. Yep. It's over. Yep. I mean, what we resist persists and we resist feeling a lot of things um, due to conditioning, beliefs, upbringing, whatever society plays a big role in it. And yeah, we just get to knowing that we are born with that ability, I think has helped me in my journey because it's not learning something new. It's just going back to how I once was. Which is an even more refreshing view of it. When you state it that way, it seems a lot less taxing to think, I don't have to totally learn something brand new. I just have to tap back into what I already know. Exactly. It's a, it's a huge kind of light bulb moment when I tell my clients that, that you already know how to do this. It's the conditioning, the beliefs and society expectations and our upbringing that has just kind of masked it. For so many women, I feel like it is fear that is holding them back. Janelle, how did you release some of that fear and lean into, like you said, you finally were going to choose love over fear. What were some of the beginning steps of that? Realizing that fear was getting me nowhere. It was just keeping me stuck. And that the only way to change that was to change my relationship to fear. So fear, and I know a lot of people will resonate with this, fear paralyzes people to take zero action whatsoever And that was the case for myself for so many things, personal business, you name it. That was my story. But I decided that in order for me to grow and to become the person I wanted to be, I needed to change my relationship to fear, which meant letting it guide me instead of paralyze me. And so now if I'm fearful, I know that I'm in the right direction. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a fear. 
it's almost like it's leaning into that fear and knowing that if you're feeling it, that's exactly where you're supposed to be going. Exactly. I, I describe fear as that like big flashing neon sign that's like this way, this way. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> where did you begin to, or I should say, how did you handle that change of identity? Your body was changing so drastically throughout those different stages of your life. That's another really big obstacle that people face is my body's changing. How do I accept that? Oh gosh, this is a, this is a meaty topic, but uh, in, in short, I guess it was basically disconnecting my worth to my appearance. So realizing it's, I'm more than hair, skin and a body that I have so much more to offer the world than a physical appearance. And deep down, I know that I'm a good person. I have passion, I have heart. And that's truly what led me to love myself for who I was, not what I looked like. Mm. I always say, I want people to remember me for how I made them feel, yes. not how I looked on a certain day in a certain outfit. Absolutely. And that's what people will remember you by. I, I, I've said this before, you know, how do you want to be remembered? Be more of that. Mm. And for me, that's, that's now that's impact. That's what I live my life through is creating an impact for other people to help them change their life. And that's kind of what, what my purpose is in life, I guess. When you look back and you say all of the different phases with your relationship with food and your body, was it ever really about the food? Never, never. never. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was, it was just the, the bandaid, I guess, for everything. And I mean, food is just a doorway to healing our relationships to all sorts of areas of our life, you know, personal relationships, family relationships, uh, r- relationships to your career, your business, whatever that might look like. Food was just this, like the doorway to, to all those relationships. Why do you think so many of us use food and our body as that control mechanism instead of even knowing that it goes so much deeper than that? In part, because it's socially acceptable, like everybody does it. It's easy. It's quick. It's guaranteed. And people aren't going to look at you like if you're an alcoholic or a drug user, right? Where that's, you know, maybe more deemed as bad for lack of a better term, but food is socially acceptable that people won't even notice because they're probably partaking in it as well. (laughs) Also, I think too, for me, there was always this parallel of, I was very much praised for the quote unquote dedication that I had around food, restricting things or staying away from things or obsessively exercising that is put on this pedestal of, wow, you're so healthy. Yep. I've definitely had that as well. And funny you say that because when I looked the healthiest on the outside, you know, lean, strong, fit, whatever you want to call it, I was struggling big, big time inside, but everybody saw me on the outside as this fit, healthy person. So health in the definition of health has transformed so much for me over the years. It is not a flat stomach or a body fat percentage. It truly is the, the mental, emotional, physical everything combined, but as a whole, not, not one preceding the other. Mm. 
Because the physical in the same way too. When I quote unquote looked the best, the healthiest of what society kind of deems as healthy, I was the sickest internally, Absolutely. mentally, and physically, actually. Yep. I agree. In your Forever Free program, the coaching program that you do, I love how you describe it as ending the war with food and her body. It yeah. really is a war. Yeah, it really, really is. And what I want my clients to know is the war, you, you can't fight hate with hate or fear with he- fear. And that's really where the love comes in. And a lot of women kind of get their backs up about that word because, oh my gosh, I'm here. I, I don't know how to love myself, but you know, I, I tell my clients this in order to love yourself, because that's what everybody truly, truly wants. It's not about the food. It's not about the body size. Even they just want to love themselves. And in order to love yourself, you have to take a step closer to yourself, which means getting to know yourself on all these different layers um, without the control of, you know, my fitness pal, for example, or a meal plan. It's getting to know yourself on the deep, deepest levels possible. I always want to know tangible tips. When your clients are starting with you and you're beginning this journey of actually self, of self-love, where where are places that you begin to dive into first or where do you look at to begin with? The simple like foundational part that I start with is intention. What is your intention behind the things that you're doing? Whether that be pounding away on the treadmill or tracking your food or what foods you are eating. What is your intention? Because that answers so many questions and it makes it so, so clear on whether or not that action or that choice aligns with where that person actually wants to go. So for example, you can take the exact same action and place a different intention behind it, which creates a different feeling. And everything we do is to create a feeling. So let's say take the example of pounding away on the treadmill. If you're pounding away on the treadmill to wear off last night's calories, that is not going to create a very good feeling. That's a, that's a fear-based intention as I call it. Whereas if you truly love going on the treadmill and you do it to feel energized and to nourish your body, that's the same action, but it creates a totally different feeling. So that's a love-based intention as I call it. So when my clients hear that, it's like light bulbs just start going off and how simple it gets to be when they're very, very clear on their intention. The words that I heard you say even define that, whether you actually, Janelle, knew how you were explaining that and you're really wise or it just came out that way. Listeners, go back and listen to what she said. First, she described it as if you are pounding away on the treadmill to punish your body for what you did. That word pounding away on the treadmill because it's that's a punish that just sounds punishing. And then she followed it up by saying, or... Are you going or running on the treadmill because it makes you feel good? There's such a difference even in how you're wording that. Absolutely. Yep. Language is such a huge part of what I do because everything starts with, well, beliefs at the, at the very root of everything is our belief system. But then it's the, the language we speak to others and to ourselves. And then it's the feelings. And then it that truly creates the actions that we do. So when you have a loving based language you're going to have the actions that align with that without really thinking about it 
do you have tools or resources that you, Janelle, really are drawn to and go to to help you, whether that's affirmations or books or podcasts or just some resources to help expand and grow in that space? Mm, breathwork is kind of my go-to. Um, it's maybe not super mainstream, but I don't know if you know Samantha Skelly. She uh, is started this amazing movement with pause breath work and I'm actually leaving to San Diego to take my breath work training tomorrow and I know it's going to help help all my clients who struggle with that emotional side of it because it gets to that emotional release without having to think their way through it so breath work has definitely been a huge modality for me and my clients I am so envious of you right now <laughs> I um, that looked so much at going to San Diego and it didn't work out with my timing, but I am obsessed with Samantha's program. I'm obsessed with pause. And the first time that I did her breath work course, I was an emotional wreck and I finished and I thought, oh my gosh, what have I been missing? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm so excited to bring this officially to, to my clients as a facilitator and I know it's going to change lives, not just, you know, women who struggle with food and body, but anxiety, depression, stress, what all any of that um, heaviness is going to it's going to change lives for sure. I know that without a sliver of doubt. Oh, once you get back, we are going to have to schedule another podcast and you're going to yeah. have to talk to us all about breath work. And for all of you listening, I will link um, some Sam Skelly's breath pause breathwork stuff in the show notes. I've talked about it on my Instagram, but if you guys aren't aware, go and check this out. It is such an amazing, amazing healing modality. And like Janelle said, not just for food and body, which is that's great, but for all areas in our life that we're struggling. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. What else, Janelle, do you like to use as a resource? Hmm. Let me see. Um, probably, or that you share with your clients. I guess it's like that tapping into your internal body cues. It, that's like the basis of what I do. And that seems so simple on, on the outside, but it, I mean, it is, but it's much more difficult to actually do after years or decades of ignoring it. Our body does know best. We just need to listen. I also found there was so much freedom in actually listening as well and saying, I don't need to eat a certain type of food or I don't need to eat at a certain time or do I'm going to tap in and listen and tune in and honor what my body is telling me. Exactly. Exactly. And like I said, it, it seems simple on the outside, but it's more challenging to implement after so many years of relying on external sources to kind of tell us whether that's time or an app or a meal plan. So dropping all that, surrendering, trusting that our body knows best is a process for sure. I'm so glad you brought that up too, because when I was struggling, I always looked at people who spoke about intuitive eating or just listening to their body's cues. And I thought, well, great. How do you do that? I don't even know how to do that. And they made it seem so effortless and simple, which it is. But I'm assuming, Janelle, when you began that process, it just wasn't you woke up one day and figured it out. Oh, gosh, no. 
And that's why I say like the things that I teach my clients are simple, but simple and easy are not the same. So simple in context, but more challenging to apply. But it the rewards are so, so worth it. You know, the freedom and the time that I have now to focus on other areas because let's face it tracking and weighing all my food took up a good portion of my day so now I have all this time left over to to do other things and to focus on my clients and my business and my relationships and that is such a freeing experience that it was worth every ounce of effort and struggle that it took to to achieve that in the beginning stages of transitioning away from tracking and weighing and measuring how did you meet yourself with love and compassion and grace if a day or a meal didn't go as you wanted it to? Basically exactly what you said. Instead of choosing the the hate and the criticism and the judgment, which is so, so often and so common and almost like our instinct to do, you know, you're so stupid. I can't believe you ate that much food and all these things that we tell ourselves. I would recognize that and observe that but then switch that to a more compassionate statement because I know this is cliche, but love heals. And that's truly the basis of kind of what I do is choosing love over fear and hate and allowing that to, to guide you to where you want to be. So much power in those words. I just, it's so profound. And, and I love also that you said it's not, it's simple. But easy and simple are two totally different things. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody is going to begin this journey or just saying, wow, this Janelle story really seems like me. What is the first, first step that you would take? What if somebody's coming to you and saying, I need to make some changes. I need one thing to do. What is the first thing you would dive into? Hmm. I guess it, yeah, going back to intention and like, why are you doing what you're doing? Because underneath the desire to lose weight or fit into a smaller pant size, there's a feeling there. So identifying what feeling it is that you're trying to create. And for most women, and, and I know for myself as well, it was love, love for myself. And I was achieving that or trying to achieve that through a body, which I mean, I've been every single body size you can imagine, and it was always chasing self-love. So it really comes down to what is it that you truly, truly want beneath the, the pant size and the number? What is that feeling that you want? And more than likely, it'll be something like confidence or self-love or happiness just in general. And then it's, okay, how can I create that without changing my body? Once you are able to create that without changing your body, your body will change. Mm. Again, everyone go back and listen to that. You start internally and externally. It just comes out. It's not the reverse. Trust us when we tell you. Yeah. Changing externally is not going to change you internally. Yeah. I love the quote when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, because that is Mm. exactly what happens. It's not as hard as we make it to be. And again, hard and coming, coming quickly or 
not challenging, two totally different things. Yeah. But we make it so difficult on ourselves if when if we just release and let go, it comes. Yeah. I have a lot of clients who, you know, as we get deeper into the work, they realize they have a belief, which is the root of everything that they do. They have a belief that weight loss has to be hard or loving themselves has to be hard. And so then it actually creates it to be harder than it really needs to be. So once we focus on that belief, then they start to, to move into that surrender, that ease, that flow, that trust. And it does, they, the light bulbs go off and they're like, this is so much easier than I was making it this entire time. So I, you know, if anybody's listening, I challenge you to ask yourself, do you hold that belief of it has to be hard because it doesn't have to be hard. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit, Janelle, on what the power is to have a coach or to have some kind of accountability when you're walking through these challenges? I would say it's, almost absolutely crucial. And I'm not just saying that because I am a coach, Mm -hmm. but because we live in our heads so much that if we, especially if somebody is really, really striving for physical changes, if they don't see those changes right away, they are more than likely going to hop back on the next fad diet and into that hamster wheel of dieting and back and forth, dieting, binge eating and back and forth. So having a coach really helps ground them to help help you trust yourself that you're not doing it wrong. This is exactly how it's supposed to look like, but to do that on your own is extremely challenging and it's going to add years, if not make it impossible because we live in our head so much. So having a coach who is able to tell you, this is what it's looking like. This is what it's supposed to look like. You're not doing it wrong. You're not different than everybody else patience and, and to just support them and guide them when they need it and where they need it the most is absolutely crucial. Support is absolutely crucial. I've always said I've been very open and honest with every listener on the podcast and with all of my coaching clients. I have coaches, many different areas of my life I've had coaches in. And honestly, I've learned so much from them, but boiling it down, you know, all of that inside. But as Janelle said, it's that person to kind of say, no, keep doing it because you're doing it right. And if I didn't have somebody to keep me in that reminder, I would fall back into old ways because that's, that was, that was comfortable. And that's what I knew. Yep. We go to the path of least resistance and sometimes that isn't where we want to go, but that's what we know. It's comfortably uncomfortable, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. And so please, 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 if you are out there listening and struggling Look up Janelle, look up some, find somebody that you really align with and you identify with and let them help you. That's not a sign of weakness. That's the biggest step up that you can do for yourself is to say, I, I'm going to level up. I'm going to allow somebody to help me learn to do this. Exactly. Reaching out for help, I think is, I would say it's a strength, not a weakness, and to find that person that really, really resonates you with you. It doesn't have to be the first coach that comes up on your Instagram feed. Find somebody who fits with you, who is going to be able to coach you on the level that you need. Because not every coach is going to coach in the same manner. And I think it's important to find somebody that, that really fits with what you need. Because ultimately, it's about you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Where can all the listeners find you, Janelle, so they can say, hey, this this is me and I do want to find out a little bit more about this or just follow your journey and your wisdom? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook, just Janelle Periard. I'll let you spell that in the show notes because it's, yep. it's not the typical Janelle spelling. And on Instagram, again, just as Janelle.Periard. So it's just my name on both both platforms. Awesome. Yeah. And she's right. It will all be in the show notes. So you guys can just click and link on all of that and dive in a little bit more into everything that she so passionately and wisely is explaining here. Yeah, absolutely. Passionate is kind of my, um, the name of the game for sure. It is also finding a coach who is extremely passionate about what they do because it doesn't seem like work. What I do is not work. It is just who I am and what I do. And I, I know my clients feel that. And that's what really helps them resonate with me is I, I walk the walk. I talk the talk. I do it all with them. I'm constantly growing just like they are. I'm just a couple steps ahead of them. And that to me is the best sign of a good coach is you've done it. You've put in the work, you know, what's sitting in that shit feels like. Yeah. And you're just a few pieces ahead of that to show them exactly what to do next. Exactly. Constant growth is a big value of mine. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it should be, and it shows by how you use your words, Janelle, by how you are speaking to women and the impact that you're having on your clients and on your community. Oh, thank you. Every episode ends with just a few questions. The first thing that I'm really obsessed with is morning routines, and that can be extensive. So I like to know, what is the very first thing that you do for yourself in the morning? Coffee and a book. Every Ooh. morning. Yeah. Ooh. What's it? What are you reading right now? I am reading The Power of Choice. Ooh, I haven't heard that one. Yeah, it, it, I'm just a couple chapters in, but it's uh, hooking me quite deeply. So I'm excited to, I'll probably polish it off on the, on the plane ride to San Diego tomorrow. So yeah, that's, that's my morning routine, a very brief snippet of my morning routine. I, I also like do, yeah, usually some breath work. Uh, then I go to the gym usually because I sit a lot for my, for my job. So it's important to get out and get moving. So that's a bit of my morning routine. I love all of those things. What would you say is your super weapon? Facing my fears and not letting them paralyze me. So basically chasing my fear is one of the biggest things that, that has allowed me to transform my life on every level, uh, personal relationship, business, you name it. Facing my fears has been one of the most life-changing things that I've ever done. And anybody listening to your story can very much see how that has served you. And you're, yeah. like, you've walked the walk, you're talking the talk. Yeah. And finally, it is always, what does being fierce mean to you? Well, I guess sounding a little redundant, but um, yeah, fa- facing and chasing your fears, I guess. So again, that's just been such a huge part of my life that I can't go without saying that, I guess, more than more than once. Uh, and I see that in so many people who reach out to me is they have this fear of failure and part like seeing that in my clients and anybody who's reached out to me, that fear of failure is just keeping them stuck in their position. And that's why changing a relationship to fear is so, so powerful and transformative because without 
chasing your fear, you're going to stay stuck in your fear. Mm -hmm. It will continue to rule you unless you take that power over it. Exactly. Janelle, thank you so much for everything that you have shared today, your story and your wisdom. And I know that the words that you spoke today are going to greatly, greatly impact all that are listening to this episode. So thank you very much for being a part of this. Yes, thank you for having me. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to the Fit and Fierce podcast. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and download so you never miss an episode and drop me a rating and review. It's the best way to support the show and to keep more episodes coming your way. See you next time.